Hey, it's Seeking Plum. So this is a bit anecdotal, but I've heard a lot of people lately talk about the fact that they've left Facebook, that they are no longer on Twitter, or that they are considering or have already left an audio platform. I've had several conversations and done a lot of thinking on these types of things. Thinking about the whole reason we join one of these platforms, it's usually about community or communication coming together in some sort of way. But several of these platforms, if not most of them, have lost that focus. They've become so commercialized and so oriented on uh, marketing, data, the next big thing that they've lost the human element. And we don't just see that in things like social media or apps. We see that in the education system when art or music is taken out. I think that anytime we become too narrowly focused, we can run into problems. I don't know if you remember when I began to read the book The Accidental Universe by Alan Lightman, something I particularly appreciated was that his perspective was flavored by the fact that he regularly met with a group of individuals so very different from himself, and not just in their perspective, but in what they studied on a regular basis, the jobs they had, Everyone brought something different to the table. They came to discuss ideas, but there were scientists, philosophers, uh, believers in some sort of faith. They, they, all, they all had something different, and that brought a different facet to the conversation, which then, in turn, brought this depth of insight and meaning to the ideas and perspectives that Lightman brought to us in his book, The Accidental Universe. It was so rich. Uh, I so enjoyed it. And then running with this idea, you may or may not remember one of my, or maybe it was my very first episode, um, I was talking about the possibility of the ingenuity of, of creating new uh, weapons of a defense or something to replace guns. And I said, surely, surely in today's day and age, we can do this. Instead of just bringing in the engineer or just bringing in the weapons specialist, let's bring in uh, doctors. Let's bring in the sci-fi authors. Let's bring in you know, anyone and everyone from all of these different walks of life and bring them into one room because they can bounce ideas off of each other. Even what may seem impossible could be teased out and maybe become possible. Another interesting example of this, there is a man by the name of Stuart Hameroff and he has been on the fringes of science for the last few decades because of his ideas on consciousness. And it's because he's, he's delved into a lot of the philosophy behind it. And so he's been deemed a crackpot for the most part. 
but his ideas are based in neuroscience and quantum physics. It's really quite fascinating. I'm tempted to possibly do an episode on that at some other time. Okay, so Hammerhoff is off on the fringes a little bit, and he comes across Sir Roger Penrose, who is an esteemed figure in mathematical medical physics. And at first, Penrose <laughs> agreed with everyone else that Hammerhoff was a bit, you know, out there. But they came to a place where there was some common ground, and they've been able to publish some papers, papers that scientifically make some sense, where now... Now the common belief for, it's not proven yet, but, but there is now question that consciousness may not be uh, exactly what we've always thought it is, like where it happens in the brain and all of that. So fascinating. That said, Penrose doesn't entirely believe what everything that Hammeroff does. So they have this common ground and they're approaching it from different perspectives. So they can still come together. They've still made these advancements and yet they come from different places. I think I've come to a place where the I believe that the greatest strides forward are fueled by various people coming together with various backgrounds, various uh, depths of knowledge, and bringing different experiences to the table. When it comes to progress or solutions, I don't think it's ever an all or nothing. So I don't think it's 100% science or 100% faith or 100% you know, government or whatever we choose as the solution or answer. I think it's a collaboration of fields and ideas and people. But more importantly, I think that we can only move forward and have that progress, have that success, come up with those amazing solutions to problems or create those amazing inventions if we have a foundation that is firmly set on what makes us human, the things that bring meaning to our lives. So community, music, art, self-expression, belief, learning, language, studying, uh, growth, you know, and love. I think that all of that creates an interconnectedness between us, an interrelatedness, and it also fosters uh, an authenticity as well. We are more real then with each other. So I'm going to bring it back to social media and in particular to audio. Uh, I've been having conversations about Anchor and Lemur and uh, Vaudel as well recently. And then this morning, I happened to find an article was published, and they covered a lot of what we had been discussing, as well as a lot of factual information that I had been unaware of. Audio or podcasting has really taken a journey, and it's morphed through these different stages, just as we've seen Anchor do through version 1, 2, and now 3. And it's not done morphing either. 
in this river of change, it seems like anchor is moving right along with the trend, but they are very disconnected from those using their tools. So they are connected with the field, but not with those who might use the tool on a regular basis. In the field, there seems to be this strong push for podcasting and professional-sounding podcasting. And from there, a new sort of daily podcast-slash-radio programming. It's sort of strange, and it's all sort of in this this, uh, strange limbo as it's shifting and morphing right now. But I think because of that, we, the users, are missing the human aspects of it the interrelatedness that we had at least a part of in 2.0 and have less of in 3.0. We've been isolated on these different islands, and although we can still have call-ins and still have some connectedness, there's more effort involved to get from island to island, and, and a lot of people just aren't interested in making that effort. No shade there, it's just a matter of how this app now operates and, and how we are inclined to interact with the app. So because we're missing parts of the human need, we, we are finding several people are deciding to leave the platform. And Anchor is marching down this path that fits with the trend in the field. I wonder if if a company like Anchor, whether it was this venue or another app or another dilemma, would gather a group of people with different backgrounds, different fields of study, you know, like I was talking about earlier, whether it's science, philosophy, religion, what have you, and everyone comes together, you know, the sci-fi author, fantasy author, whatever, and brainstorms different ideas and throws them all out there, teases them out and says, this, this could help. This could, this could catapult things further. This is what people strive for, what they long for, what they want. Because it's really, it, it's not about what the brain is, is reaching for. It's about what the heart wants. Even if we don't logically know it yet, even if we can't uh, put words to it, because that's really what those other platforms are really about too, right? Facebook and Twitter and Instagram, it's those, they become addictive because our heart wants, it wants that approval. It wants that feedback. It wants to be liked. It wants people to say, hey, you know, you've got, you've got a a good life or you've got, you know, whatever it is. But that's why it becomes addictive. We want that pat on the back. We want that whatever, right? And there is the there is still the connectedness to some degree with comments and, and so on on those other platforms. But it's also more of a, it's somewhat superficial as well. And audio, we have a gift because Audio makes things more personal. We hear each other's voices. You can hear that I'm smiling, you know? 
you can hear those things. You can pick up the emotion in my voice when when my voice quivers at times, you know? Those are things you can't pick up when I'm typing out those words. And you can hear the background sounds, you know, when I'm recording. Those are all things that audio gives us that the written word cannot. That also, I think, is an additional gift that video does not completely Video gives us the visual, but it doesn't fully impact the way audio does. Because in audio, we are super focused on what we're hearing, and we are thinking about it, imagining it, and, and almost putting ourselves there. And in video, we can see it, we can dismiss it, because it's what we do on television. On television, it's fiction, you know? It doesn't really impact us the same way. So this has sort of been a long roundabout uh, example or discussion there. But essentially what I'm getting at is the importance of collaboration, the importance of what makes us human and what we truly value and carrying those things forward. Because I think with those as a foundation, that's where we find success in everything that we do, whether it's new research in science, whether it's even even in faith and belief, I don't think that you want to go down that path solely, you know, with blinders on. You still want to incorporate other other parts of the world. You want to have a broader perspective, right? And so I, I think that in every aspect that we consider, that we that we put our our eyes to, our nose to, our ears to, we want to, we want to have a broader perspective. I was having a conversation recently about race and how amazing it would be if we could bring, if we could bring people together from different countries around the world with different experiences to talk about what race is like in their country because we know what it's like in North America. We know the history. We know the difficulties. But what is it like in other countries? What have they faced? What have they learned? And what can we learn from each other? The good and the bad, you know? And, and, and how can we use those to move forward? And, and can you just imagine if we could do those things with just about any anything, uh, the health field, you know, whether it's, uh, um, I don't know, heart surgery, whether it's mental health. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think borders limit us in so many ways. There's so much we could learn from each other if we didn't get hung up on labels, if we didn't get hung up on borders, if we didn't get hung up on skin color, creed, what have you. Anyway, I am, uh, I'm going on and on uh, to you about these things, but um, just a few things that have been on my mind lately. Hey, Rhonda, it's Jared. Um, I'm 
I have a comment and question regarding sort of the direction of social media away from a community focus towards more of a commercial focus, let's say. So I read that Twitter turned a profit for the first time in its 12-year history just last quarter. So they've been, you know, we're around for 11 years, lost money every quarter, even though they're one of the largest social networks in the world. Um, where, where do you think, um, in the, so when we're talking about audio, where do you think the sustainability can come from within like an audio platform, especially when it's so hard, it's not really set up to click away or click through the way other ads are, um, other ad-based platforms are. Where do you think the business model, the sustainability can come from? I think that from a creative standpoint, with just a little bit of tweaking, there, and maybe even without that, there's, there's some tools and functionalities within Anchor that, I mean, I would be willing to pay for as a, as a creator, a user. I mean, I pay for a lot of software tools. Um, and I think typically tools for creators are usually subscription-based. The, the business model is software as a service. And I think revisioning Anchor as a tool for creators rather than a social platform, um, it makes it, it kind of muddies the water a little bit when you're expecting it to be like other social spaces, um, free, to free to use and connect. Hey, Jared, okay. Audio sustainability from the commercial perspective. I'm thinking it's going to be a blend of the old and the new because you sort of touched on a key factor for me. You used it in a slightly different context, but you said that we can't click through, we can't click away to another location to check out what might be advertised. But you could also look at that as the creator of the content has a captive audience. Whatever format the audio ends up taking, whether it's podcasting, streaming, a, a form of radio, and whether that podcasting is long, short, or a micro format, I think we can pull from what has been done in the past. We may just have to adapt those ideas for what's being done now. So for instance, once upon a time there were radio ads. Now, they may have to be shortened so that if someone does hit a button to fast forward, they're in danger of pushing too far past the ad into the content, and so they don't want to press that button. An alternative is working in a feature like YouTube has where you cannot fast forward past that ad. You have to sit there and listen to it. Now, you may say, yeah, we can't click through to these ads, and that is something we've grown used to, but there was and is still uh, commercials on television that we can't click through, but they're designed in such a way that they leave an impression, something that we can remember and think about, that we will take away with us. So I think that, there, that that can encourage more creativity in audio advertising, but it can also encourage new tools 
the ability to give maybe a verbal command to our device to say, bookmark this website, I want to come back and visit it at a later time. Or to maybe tap a pattern on the back of our phone to say, bookmark this ad or this website, again, for the same purposes. And then you touch on another great option of you know, a paid service, the subscription option. When I was thinking about this and other services that are subscription-based, for instance, there are services that are completely consumer-based, and then there are some that are creator and some that are a mix. So, for instance, places like Netflix and Hulu are completely about consuming the content. Um, and then there are those that are about tools, which you've mentioned. And then uh, medium.com is a great uh, example as well because there is free content on there for people to read. You can create freely as well. But then there is also the paid side of it. Um, and so there's these different, not tiers per se, but different aspects of it. So paid and non-paid. And I think that it also incorporates this, um, the tool, the community, the social, you know, a, a lot of that. I think that yeah, it's a little more difficult on different platforms to do a lot of those things all together. Um, and when it comes to Anchor, I I would consider paying uh, a monthly subscription fee. I would have jumped at that opportunity in version 2.0. There never would have been a hesitation. I just would have forked that money over in a heartbeat. Now, now I have some serious reservations that's not to say I won't change my mind down the line, but right now that's where I stand on it. I think that is, it is true that if we're going to talk about like Anchor specifically in this case, it is much more difficult to like find and connect and discover new people and keep up with people. Um, I think that it's also an opportunity to really focus on depth and um, yeah, and be really intentional about seeking people out and connecting with people and finding those sort of indispensable, um, those indispensable voices that resonate with you and really being able to have the type of connection where you can, you know, be deeply engaged and make meaningful contributions to those conversations. Um, I think that's what it ultimately is going to encourage. Jared, I have to say that your third call, depth versus width, took me on a bit of a journey. Yeah, I wholeheartedly agree. It is still difficult to find uh, podcasts to listen to on Anchor, despite this new discovery page, because in my opinion, they have, they have, it's, it's a farce. Let me just put it that way. That's what that page is. And I have noticed that I do obviously need to be more intentional. And I am more intentional about when I listen, who I listen to, how I listen to them. And I can see that uh, leading to more depth uh, of conversation and more focus of connection, particularly if those ideas resonate with me. 
But then I started wondering, is this not just another version of the echo chamber, right? It's another comfortable place for me to be. Or maybe a better way to put it would be a a bubble of some kind where I'm limited in broadening my horizons and not being able to learn from others' experiences and others' perspectives. But the more I thought about it, the more I came around. If If I see myself as this island and I am reaching out to other people individually to have these these intentional, deep conversations, they are creating these bonds between us. And it's sort of creating this mini community, not a world or a large community, but a mini community. And that's really, that's life, right? It doesn't have to be this grand scale thing. Because as soon as you decide to blow it up too big, we lose any of that any, any of that connection that's really there. When it becomes about width, then it dilutes the conversation. It dilutes the relationships. It dilutes everything. So it, it took me a few minutes, but I, I'm with you. I, I can understand now, and I think that maybe, maybe I'm okay with it. Maybe I'm okay with some of these changes and where we're at. I wish that it was easier to find those voices that resonated, you know? Because I find these kinds of mini communities so invaluable and, <laughs> and I want them to live on. So thanks, Jared. Thanks for spurring that shift in perspective.